It has been a lifetime. I apologise wholeheartedly. I took a bit of an unplanned off-season break and things have been going on since we last spoke. I've moved house, I've moved job, I've even moved country. I've literally hopped over a body of water since the last episode. But there has been enough triathlon news and hype of one kind or another in the past month or two to fill 10 episodes. So I want you to come on board, pull on those goggles and swim caps, check you've got your timing device strapped around that ankle and let's dive into episode 21. even to begin. So I am coming to you from the green leafy suburbs to the south of London. Here in East Surrey is where I am calling home for the next year and it is from here that I will be continuing to bring you Try Me A River every few weeks. I will try and be a little bit more consistent with it over the next while but there's more than enough for us to chat about today. We're going to hop straight into it and cover the one big thing that has taken place since I was last in touch with you and that is the Paralympics no less. At that event in Tokyo, which seems like a lifetime ago simply because it was, there were so many great athletes who deserve a moment of our time. Let's recognise the big achievers, let's talk about the surprises, the impressive performances and who took home the bling for Team GB. So there is no better place to start than the women's PTS5 category and that is the category for the least severely impaired athletes and the gold medal in that category went to GB's own Lauren Stedman who romped home to victory and also in that race there was a bronze medal, a podium position for our friend Claire Cashmore who was on this podcast just last year even though she was given a time penalty at one point in that race. Brilliant effort from both girls. In the men's PTS5 category, another person who has featured in this podcast before, George Peasgood, took home a fantastic silver medal behind the German Martin Schultz after George had taken it out like a steam train on the swim and bike. It was also an impressive turnout from the Brits elsewhere. Fran Brown in the women's PTS2 category and Alison Peasgood in the women's visually impaired event both just, just missed out on medals, finishing fourth. Melissa Reed came 7th in the PTVI event, Michael Taylor 8th in the PTS4, and Dave Ellis, boyfriend of Claire Cashmore, for those of you who like a triathlon romance, sadly suffered a mechanical in his PTVI race and had to withdraw. The men's wheelchair event was won by the only man who was ever going to win it. Of course, it was our friend from episode 16 of this podcast, the Dutch destroyer Jetsa Platt. Storming home in typically dominant fashion and crossing the line over two minutes ahead of his nearest rival. Unbelievable. Two minutes. Think what you can do in two minutes. You can boil a kettle. Yetsa could have been at the finish line with a cup of coffee by the time his nearest rival appeared over the horizon. Beast mode activated. One country who enjoyed massive success at the Games was Team USA. They secured not one, not two, but three golds with wins for Alyssa Seeley in the women's PTS2 category. U.S. Navy veteran Brad Snyder in the men's visually impaired event and Kendall Gretsch who won the women's wheelchair race with a 
staggering sprint finish to snatch victory just before crossing the line. And that win for Kendall Gretsch can now be added to the two gold medals she won at, get this, the 2018 Winter Paralympics in cross-country skiing and biathlon. What about that for a medal collection? Cross-country skiing, biathlon, and now paratriathlon in the summer games. Talk about that for versatility. Incredible stuff. It was an outstanding paratriathlon competition all in all, and so many massively worthy winners. I will be doing my utmost to bring you regular updates from the paratriathlon scene over the next few years. And remember, it's a shorter gap between now and the next games than it usually would be. Only three years to wait until they all line up once again in Paris. I will be bringing you all the news and reviews en route, so please stay tuned here for all your paratri gossip. Next up on the agenda is the sometimes slightly messy subject of Super League triathlon. Messy for reasons that I will explain in the next little bit. Why I want to dive into it now is because their most recent Super League triathlon event took place just over a month ago, over four consecutive weekends in four venues. Those venues were London, Munich, Jersey and Malibu. They know how to pick the nice spots. All the athletes who took part, and they were big names, all the big runners and riders were there, and they were divided into five teams. The Sharks, the Rhinos, the Eagles, the Scorpions, and the Cheetahs. I shouldn't laugh, but it does all sound a little bit too much like American football for me. I don't know if the team names really add that much. Definitely not with names that just Americanize the whole Super League franchise even more than it already was. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not against America as a cultural influence on the rest of the world. A lot of their sports, a lot of their musicians, a lot of their politicians are the things and people that we talk about on a daily basis. But my question is, does triathlon need to be just as sensationalized and named after animals and throwing in sometimes slightly confusing concepts, one of which is the short shoot that is an element of the races that took place over the past couple of months that the athletes, as far as I could see, clearly didn't even understand. So for those of you who didn't watch the Super League events that took place on those four consecutive weekends, there was a shortcut that athletes could take and they could accumulate entry to this shortcut called the short shoot, which meant they didn't have to run the whole way around one corner near the start of each lap. They could cut through a gap in the wall that had been made and hopefully gain an advantage on their rivals. And they would earn the right to take the short shoot by either winning whole stages or I think coming out of the water first. The idea, I guess, in principle, is that it acts as an incentive for fast racing right from the gun. And I can see where they're coming from there, but a lot of the athletes really struggled to grasp it. The overall series was great for British athletes, and both men's and women's events went to British winners in the shape of Alex Yee and Georgia Taylor-Brown, both silver medalists in the individual events in Tokyo at the Olympics. But Georgia, for example, the women's winner, was left in tears mid-event after the short shoot that I tried to describe to you there, which I don't feel has been made very easy to grasp for the athletes by the organisers. 
it took away a legitimate win for Georgia before the organisers eventually caved to the pressure after her and her friends protested against it. And it sounds like she didn't know she even won the whole series until after either. In a post-race interview, said she didn't feel happy about taking the title from her pal Jess Learmonth. When I was told that I'd won the series, I, I didn't really think about it at the time. And then, I, I don't know, I wasn't like super happy about it because it felt just very strange to take it from Jess and almost unfair. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm happy with it, but it's just a bit of a strange feeling. It just seemed a little bit farcical at times. Even Alex Yee said after the event he didn't know he was overall champion until about 10 minutes later when he bumped into Tim Don randomly and was told then. Yeah, I, d- I didn't realise that I'd, I'd won the championship series until uh, t- Tim actually came up to me. Yeah, he, he told me I'd won and I-, I was a bit surprised to be fair because I knew it was quite close between all of us. It was exciting, don't get me wrong. The series ending finale in Malibu was an enduro race, as they called it, which features a 300 metre swim, 4k bike and 1.6k run three times over in a swim, bike, run sequence. So swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run at those shorter distances. One feature that I was a fan of in Malibu and will always be a fan of in triathlon races was a beach start. I adore beach starts with proper sea swims through choppy waves. That's the way I feel triathlon swims should be done. And it was effective. The waves split the pack. Some people got caught the wrong side of a wave breaking and struggled to get back on for a good while afterwards. A bit of unpredictability is a good thing in my book. If you don't know much about SLT, Super League Triathlon, let's just do a bit of a rewind. Is it good for the sport? Absolutely. I think triathlon did need to kick up the backside and it's really good to see triathletes getting some proper prize money for their heroic efforts. But I just wonder if at times Super League Triathlon is trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater and revamp everything, take things right back to scratch, almost at the expense of the existing events that there already are. So let's go back to where it all began. Basically, A few pals got together, a few pals with influence that is. You might be aware of an individual called Chris McCormack, very successful triathlete himself, twice the winner of the Ironman World Championship and he is one of the co-founders of Super League Triathlon. He co-founded it with two other people. One of those is a man called Michael Dulst, a very successful businessman who got into triathlon himself in middle age. So clearly a lot of the business acumen for how to expand the event came from Michael. Then the other character is a man called Leonid Boguslavsky, a billionaire investor who is currently worth over £3.5 billion. He is the man who is bankrolling the whole enterprise and you can see that Super League will never be short of a penny or two. And it's thanks to this, thanks to this never-ending stream of money from the billionaire co-founder that all the top triathletes are happy to neglect the series and titles that would previously have been seen as the pinnacle in the annual triathlon calendar. Quite a lot of triathletes have been neglecting the official World Championship Series altogether, it seems, because at the same time as the Malibu finale of the Super League Triathlon Series, the World Triathlon Championship Series, the WTCS, continued, or should I say began their new season in Hamburg in Germany, and began the season with one of the weakest fields I can remember assembling for a long time. And that was all because pretty much every other name worth mentioning was lapping up the sunshine and the dollars on offer in Malibu. So there were a few reasonably well-known triathletes that were competing in that first World Championship Series race in Germany. Leo Berger, the Frenchman, was there. He took third in that race. 
Tim Helvig took the win in a photo finish and props to him because it was a really exciting sprint finish. And I suppose one good thing about pretty much everyone else going on holiday to Malibu was that we got a glimpse of the young pretenders who wouldn't normally have a sniff of a top 10 finish. But yeah, Super League Triathlon do seem kind of unfazed by hijacking the World Triathlon Championship Series' thunder. There was a marginally stronger field in that women's race in Germany with Laura Lindemann taking the win and some other names that you might recognise like Summer Rappaport and Kirsten Casper also featuring in the top 10. But I just wonder if Super League is coming along and trying to blaze everyone else out of the water and they don't really mind the collateral they leave in their wake. The World Championship Series, as I said, started in Hamburg. There are six races in that series. And for people to put down a marker for that series, they need to compete in three of the five ordinary races in the calendar and then also complete the final race, which is worth more points than the earlier races. So that's four out of the six they need to do. And the vast majority have missed one of them. So they will need to be ready to rock as soon as the next races come around. I don't know. I just feel like triathlon's at a pretty interesting point in its young history, simply in the sense that there has never been so much going on and it's never had so much coverage. It's never been so well exposed on social media. The triathletes have never been so well known in terms of being public figures. Team GB has never had so many amazing athletes coming through. And that is largely thanks to the efforts of the past 10 or 15 years with the Brownleys inspiring a new generation and that generation now coming to fruition. And I suppose triathlons never had it so good in that sense. But with that success and with that added exposure come a lot of competing forces and people who want to have a bit of the cake themselves. It just makes it hard to see what is the primary event, what is the main goal in each athlete's annual calendar. And some people might argue that it's not a bad thing not having just one competition that everybody enters into. People might say, oh, it's great that sometimes they can do the Super League Triathlon. Some people can do the World Championship Series. People who aren't good enough for that or feel like they aren't ready to compete at that level can do the World Cup Series, which is like the second tier. Others can get involved with longer distance races. Some people can just try and do timed events like Alistair Brownlee and Christian Blumenfeld are going to try and go sub seven with the Ironman distance next year. Lucy Charles Barkley and Nicholas Spierig are going to try and go sub eight. And then into that, you add Super League and its vast array of events over different lengths, different stages, different sequences of the disciplines. It definitely makes for exciting racing as a follower, but it does make it harder to pin down exactly what the big events are and how we can say on a year to year basis who the best people in the sport are. There was an interesting point of view raised by the Norwegian coach Arild Tveiten and Arild is the man who coaches the Norwegian setup, the vastly successful Norwegian setup. Remember back in Tokyo, Christian Blumenfeldt took the gold medal with a fantastic performance. There are other great athletes coming out of that country like Kasper Storns, Gustav Eden, Lotta Miller, so many great, great athletes. And interestingly, the coach of the Norwegian setup said this recently when he was asked about what his primary goal for his athletes was. 
He said, we prepare our best athletes in Norway so they are in a position to race well in all formats. That makes them attractive and also gives them the opportunity to earn more money. But since we as a national team should work towards success in the World Triathlon Championship Series and also the Olympics, it's a fine balance we need to deal with and always be mindful of. So there you go. Even one of the most prominent coaches in World Triathlon at the minute is saying that while it's exciting and lucrative for the athletes to go around the world in all these different formats, ultimately the people at the top in Norwegian triathlon want to see them do well at the Olympics, as they did, and the World Championship Triathlon Series. It will be interesting to see if the World Series, as we know it, loses a bit of its shine in the next couple of years with the rise of Super League Triathlon, which I think, as I said, ultimately is a very good thing. I think triathlon needed a bit of new energy. I think it needed more people talking about it, and it's exciting what they've done, and it shows that money does make a difference. But we will have to wait and see if it changes the landscape as much as I think it might. It's unpredictable, it's exciting, and it means that we will always have plenty to chat about here on this podcast. Finally, just before going today, I want to touch on a couple of very well-known names who are planning to go long from now on over the next few months. One of those is the Olympic champion, Christian Blumenfeld, who I've mentioned already, and he is lining up his first ever full Ironman. He will be competing in Ironman Cozumel in Mexico on the 21st of November. Big Blue, he is such a unique breed of triathlete. I don't think we've ever seen someone quite like him in the sport. He's not tall and rangy like Jan Frodeno. He's not elegant and free-flowing with his run style like Ali Brownlee. He made a mockery of people like me who said that if Alex Yee was in the front pack at the Olympics, nobody would catch him. Nonsense. All Christian had to do was flick on a one-mile sprint at the end and he left everyone for dust. He's stocky, he's got broad shoulders, he looks a bit uncomfortable when he's putting it all on the line, but I also think very few people are willing to bury themselves as deep as he does in races. So it'll be dead interesting to see what degrees of suffering he's prepared to subject himself to at iron distance in this new venture. It had to happen sooner or later, especially with his big plan for 2022, as I had mentioned, which was announced way back last year, and that is the sub-7-hour Ironman attempt he's doing alongside Ali Brownlee. If he's going to give that a decent crack, he needs to test himself at the distance first. And this event in Mexico in November will be his first public attempt at taking the challenge on. It's another fun thing for us Tri fans to keep our eagle eyes on. Or maybe eagle eyes is the wrong term to use for Christian. What was his animal again at the Super League Triathlon Series? Um, 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 He was one of the rhinos. So yeah, maybe you should keep your rhino eyes on him over the next few months instead. (laughs) Also, another athlete who has stepped up in distance, and this is really interesting, I think, is Johnny Brownlee. Johnny, just last week, took off to Portugal to a place called, oh, I could be saying this wrong, Cascais. And this was his first ever attempt at the half Ironman discipline. He, as I'm sure you will all have watched and celebrated in the summer, he completed the full set of Olympic medals, adding a relay gold to the silver he had won in Rio and the bronze he had taken home in London back in 2012. He competed really admirably on the day in Portugal last week. He was up against some other Olympic distance specialists like Casper Storns and Aaron Royal and acquitted himself really, really well and was right up at the business end of things with only about 10k or so of the run to go. 
But sadly, he blew up and the wheels fell off for him with five or six K to go in the run. And he ended up dropping back to sixth at the finish line. But still, not a bad shift for a man who'd never competed at the distance before. The win in the end was taken by Denmark's Magnus Ditlev. And do you know what? Johnny's run split was only three seconds slower than the overall winner. It's an experience that he will take forward with him. It'll be really fun to watch how Johnny gets on at middle distance. So many of the other big Olympic distance racers over the past few years have tried stepping up to boost their stamina and their endurance speed. The Norwegians have been big advocates for that for many years. And yeah, it'll be fun to see how that translates. Now, Johnny has said he plans to step up from Olympic distance and doesn't intend to race short course at the next olympics but who knows we'll see i suppose he probably wants to see too how he gets on at the slightly longer distance and then he might gauge from that whether he feels like he should stick to what he knows or whether it might be a fun challenge to step up and try and join his brother at full distance one day soon so i tell you what it's just fun to be back with you it's great to be chatting to you once again and i'm sorry it's been so long If this is the first time you've tuned in, welcome on board. And if you would like to get in touch with me, I would love to hear from you, whether that is on Twitter, that would be at TryMeARiver, all one word, or on Instagram, at TryMeARiver underscore pod. That is at TryMeARiver underscore pod. You can also fire me an email on snailmail at TryMeARiver at gmail.com. Great to hear your messages. Really good to see the following go up on Instagram, which is something we are new to, but brilliant to have a lot of you tuning in from there. If you have anything you would like to throw at me, any questions, any events you would like me to cover, any people you would like me to chat to, fire me a message and I will do my utmost to give you lovely people what you ask for. In the meantime, however, that's all for this episode. I'll be back extremely soon and looking forward to it already. So please keep the training up in the off season. Let me know what you're up to and let's keep pushing through these dark nights, getting out for our runs with the head torch on. It's that time of year. It's fun. There's sea swimming to be done in the cold of the morning. There are still ways that we can enjoy triathlon, even in a slightly different form over these winter months. So stick at it and I look forward to chatting to you very, very soon. Over and out. <laughs>